0: You're listening to KZO Allen, Oleander Public Radio. Recording by Barry Eads. Astounding Stories 10, October 1930, by Various. Section 12. Jetta of the Lowlands, Part 2 of a Three-Part Novel, by Ray Cummings. What Has Gone Before? In the year 2020, the oceans have long since drained from the surface of the Earth leaving bared to sun and wind the one-time sea floor, Much of it is flat, caked ooze, cracked and hardened, with here and there small scum-covered lakes, bordered by slimy rocks. It is hot, down in the depth of the great lowland areas, and it is chiefly adventurers and outcasts of humankind who can endure life in what few towns there are. Into remote lowlands, in an invisible flyer, go Grant and Jeddah, prisoners of a scientific depth bandit into Narita, the capital village of the tiny lowland republic of Narita, goes philip grant an operative of the united states customs department on a dangerous assignment to ferret out the men who are smuggling mercury into the united states from that place grant falls in love with jetta the daughter of jacob spawn a big mercury mine owner of Narita, only to learn that spawn has promised her in marriage to greco perona the country's minister of internal affairs Grant follows Perona to a midnight lowland rendezvous with mysterious strangers, and eavesdrops on them, sending their indistinct voice murmurs to his chief, Hanley, in Washington, who relays them back to him, Amplified. He learns several important things, that Spawn and Perona and a death bandit named De Boer are together involved in the smuggling, that they have planned a fake robbery of a fortune in radiumized mercury stored in Spawn's mine. TO COLLECT THE INSURANCE ON IT AND ESCAPE PAYING THE GOVERNMENT EXPORT FEE AND THAT THEY PLAN TO KIDNAP GRANT FOR RANSOM. THE PLOTTERS LEARN OF GRANT'S ABSENCE FROM NARITA AND SUSPECT THAT HE MAY BE NEARBY. THEY START TO SEARCH FOR HIM. GRANT BARELY ESCAPES WITH THE BANDITS AND CONSPIRATORS IN HOT PURSUIT. HE FLEES TO jetta HOPING THAT THEY WILL BE ABLE TO GET AWAY TOGETHER, BUT HE FINDS HER TIED HAND AND FOOT IN HER ROOM. THE DOOR IS TIGHTLY SEALED. AND CLOSE BEHIND HIM ARE HIS PURSUERS. CHAPTER Eight, JETTA'S DEFIANCE I must go back now to picture what befell Jetta that afternoon while I was at Spawn's mine. It is not my purpose to becloud this narrative with mystery. There was very little mystery about it to Jetta, and I can reconstruct her viewpoint of the events from what she afterward told me. Jedda's room was in a wing of the house on the side near the pergola. Her window and door looked out upon the patio. When I had retired, that first night in Narita, Spawn had gone to his daughter and upbraided her for showing herself while he was giving me that first midnight meal. You stay in your room. You have nothing to do with him. Hear me? Yes, father. From her infancy he had dominated her. It never occurred to either of them that she could disobey. And yet, this time she did. For no sooner was he asleep that night than she came to my window as I have told. This next day, Jetta dutifully had kept herself secluded. She cooked her own breakfast while I was at the government house, and was again out of sight by noon. Jetta was nearly always alone. I can picture her sitting there within the narrow walls of her little room. Boy's ragged garb, all possible femininity stripped from her. Yet within her the woman's instincts were struggling. She sewed a great deal, she since has told me, there in the cloistered dimness making little dresses of silk and bits of finery given her surreptitiously by the neighbor women, gazing at herself in them with the aid of a tiny mirror, hiding them away, never daring to wear them openly, until at intervals her father would raid the room, find them, and burn them in the kitchen incinerator. Instincts of Satan! By damn, but I will get these woman's instincts out of you, Jetta! And there were hours when she would try to reread hidden books, and look at pictures of the strange fairy world of the Highlands, she could read and write a little. She had gone for a few years to the small Narita government school and then been snatched from it by her father. When Spawn and I had finished that noonday meal, I recall that he left me for a moment. He had gone to jetta I am taking that young American to the mine. I will return presently. Stay close, Jetta. Yes, father. He left with me. Jetta remained in her room, her thoughts upon the coming night. She trembled at them. She would meet me again, this evening in the moonlit garden. The sound of a man walking the garden path aroused her from her reverie. Then came a soft, ingratiating voice. Jetta, chica mia! It was Perona, standing by the pergola preening his effeminate mustache. Jetta, little lovebird, come out and talk to me. Jetta slammed the window slide and sat quiet. Jetta, it is your Greco. Well do I know it, she muttered. Jetta! He strode down the path and back. Jetta, His voice began rising into a strident, peevish anger. Jetta, are you there? Chica, answer me!' No answer. Jetta, por Dios!' He fumed, then fell to pleading. "'Are you in there? Please, little lovebird, answer your Greco. Are you in there?' "'Yes.' "'Come out, then. Come to Greco,' she said sweetly. "'My father does not want me to talk to men. You know that is so, Senor Perona.' It grounded him. "'Why?' Is it not so? Y- yes, but I am not a man, little imp. She relished impaling him upon the shafts of her ridicule. Her sport was interrupted by the arrival of Spawn. He had left me at the mine and come directly back home. Jetta heard his heavy tread on the garden path, then his voice. Ah, Perona! And Perona, Jetta will not come out and talk to me. The waxen, mustached minister of Narita's internal affairs was like a sulky child. But Spawn was unimpressed. Spawn said, Well, let her alone. We have more important things to engage us. I have the American occupied at the mine. You heard from De Boer. I went last night. All is ready as we planned. But Spawn, this fool of an American, this Grant— Hush, not so loud, Perona. I am telling you— Perona was excited. His voice rose shrilly, but Spawn checked him. Shut up. You waste time. Tell me exactly the arrangements with De Boer. Le Grand Coup, now, to-night, most important of nights, and you rant of your troubles with a girl. They were standing by the pergola, quite near Jeddah's shaded window. She crouched there, listening to them. None of this was entirely new to Jetta; She had always been aware, more or less, of her father's secret business activities. As a child, she had not understood them, nor did she now, with any clarity. Spawn had always talked freely within her hearing, ignoring her, though occasionally he threatened her to keep her mouth shut. She heard now fragments of this discussion between her father and Perona. They moved away from the pergola and sat by the fountain, speaking too low for her to hear. And then they paced the path, coming nearer, and she caught their voices again, and occasionally they grew excited or vehement, and then their raised tones were plainly audible to her. And this that she heard with what she knew already and with what subsequently transpired enables me now to piece together the facts into a connected explanation. In the establishment of his cinnabar mine some years before, Spawn was originally financed by Perona. The South American was then newly made Minister of Narita's internal affairs. He became Spawn's business partner. They kept the connection secret. Spawn falsified his production records, and Perona, with his governmental position, was enabled to pass these false accounts on the mine's production. Nerita was systematically cheated of a portion of its legal share. But this, after a time, did not satisfy the ambitious Perona and Spawn. They began to plan how they might engage in smuggling some of their quicksilver into the United States. Perona, during these years, had had ambitions of his own in other directions. President Marcus, of Narita was an honest official. He handicapped Perona considerably. There were many ways by which Perona could have grown rich through a dishonest handling of the government affairs. It was done almost universally in all the small Latin governments, but Marcus as president made it dangerous in Narita. Even the duplicity with the mine was a precarious affair. There was at this time in Narita a young adventurer named De Boer, a handsome, swaggering fellow in his late twenties. He was a good talker. He spoke many languages. He could orate with fluency and skillful guile. His smile, his colorful personality, and his gift for oratory made it easy for him to stir up dissatisfaction among the people. De Boer became known as a patriot. A revolution in Narita was brewing. Perona, as Narita's minister, was De Boer's political enemy. The Narita government ran De Boer out, Ending the potential revolution. But Perona and Spawn had always secretly been friends with De Boer. It would have been very handy to have this unscrupulous young scoundrel as president. When De Boer was banished with some of his most loyal followers, he began a career of petty banditry in the lowlands' depths. Spawn and Perona kept in communication with him, and by a method which was presently made startlingly clear to Jetta and me, De Boer smuggled the quicksilver for Perona and Spawn. It was this activity which had finally aroused my department and caused Hanley to send me to Narita. This, however, was a dangerous precarious occupation. De Boer did not seem to think so, or care. But Perona and Spawn, with their established positions in Narita, were always fearful of exposure. Even without my coming, they had planned to disconnect from De Boer. And for more than that, as Jetta had one day heard Perona remark to her father, I'll tell you that this De Boer is not very straight with us, Spawn. De Boer would, upon occasion, fail to make proper return for the smuggled product. So now they had planned a last coup in which De Boer was to help, and then they would be done with him. The two of them, Spawn and Perona, would remain as honest citizens of Nerida, and De Boer had agreed to take himself away and pursue his banditry elsewhere. It was a simple plan, it promised to yield a high stake quickly. A final fling at illicit activity, then virtuous reformation, with Perona marrying the little Jeddah. Beneath the strong room at the mine, Perona and Spawn had secretly built a cleverly concealed little vault. De Boer, this night, just before the midnight hour, was to attack the mine. Spawn and Perona had bribed the police guards to submit to this attack. The guards did not know the details, they only knew that De Boer and his men would make a sham attack careful to harm none of them and then de boer would withdraw the guards would report that they had been driven away by a large force and when the excitement was over the ingots of radiumized quicksilver would have vanished de boer making a way into distant lowland fastnesses would obviously be supposed to have taken the treasure but perona hidden alone in the strong-room would merely carry the ingots down into the secret vault to be disposed of at some future date The ingots were well insured by an international company against theft. The Narita government would receive one-third of that insurance as recompense for the loss of its share. Perona and Spawn would get two-thirds and have the treasure as well. Such was the present plan into which, all unknown to me, I had been plunged. And my presence complicated things considerably. So much so that Perona grew vehement this afternoon in the garden, explaining why. His shrill voice carried clearly to Jeddah, in spite of Spawn's efforts to shut him up. "'I tell to you that Americano agent will undo us.' "'How?' demanded the calmer Spawn? "'Already he has made Marcus suspicious.' "'Chut, you can befool Marcus, Perona. You have for years been doing it.' "'This meddling fellow, he has met Jeddah.' "'I do not believe it.' There was a sudden grimness to Spawn's tone at the thought. "'I do not believe it. Jeddah would not dare.' You should have seen him flush when Marcus mentioned at the conference this morning that I am to marry Jetta. No one could miss it. He has met her, I tell it to you, and it must have been last night. So you say. Jetta could see her father's face, white with suppressed rage. And it is that this Grant might be your rival that worries you? Not our plans for tonight, which have real importance, but worrying over a girl? She would not talk to me. She would not come out. He has no doubt put wild ideas into her head. Spawn, you listen to me. I have always been more clever than you at scheming. Is it not so? You have always said it. I have a plan now. It fits our arrangements with De Boer, but it will rid us of this Americano. When all is done and I have married Jetta Spawn interrupted impatiently, You will marry Jetta. never fear. I have promised her to you. And because, as Jetta well knew, Perona had made it part of his bargaining in financing Spawn, but this they did not now mention. To get rid of this Grant, well, that sounds meritorious. He is dangerous around here. To that I agree. And with jetta Have done, Perona. With sudden decision, Spawn leaped to his feet. I do not believe she would have dared talk to Grant. We'll have her out and ask her. If she has, by the gods. It fell upon jetta before she had time to gather her wits. Spawn strode to her door and found it fastened on the inside. Jetta open at once. He thumped with his heavy fists. Confused and trembling, she unsealed it, and he dragged her out into the sunlight of the garden. Now then, Jetta, you have heard some of what we have been saying, perhaps? Father? About this young American, this Grant? She stood cringing in his grasp. Spawn had never used physical violence with Jetta, but he was white with fury now. "'Father, you—you are hurting me,' Perona interposed. "'Wait, Spawn, not so rough. Let me talk to her. "'Jetta, Chica Mia, your Greco is worried.' "'To hell with that!' Spawn shouted. But he released the girl, and she sank, trembling to the little seat by the pergola. Spawn stood over her. "'Jetta, look at me. Did you talk to Grant last night?' She wanted to deny it. She clung to his angry gaze but the habit of all her life of truthfulness with him prevailed. Yes, she admitted. End of Chapter 8 Chapter 9 Trapped Spawn, hold! There was an instant when it seemed that Spawn would strike the girl. The blood drained from his face, leaving his dark eyes blazing like torches. His ham-like fist went back, but Perona sprang for him and clutched him. Hold, Spawn, I will talk to her. Jetta, so you did? The torrent of emotion swept Spawn, weakened him so that instead of striking Jetta, he yielded to Perona's clutch and dropped his arm. For a moment he stood gazing at his daughter. Is it so? And all my efforts going for nothing, just like your mother? He no more than murmured it, and as Perona pushed him, he sank to the bench beside Jetta. But did not touch her, just sat staring. And she stared back both of them aghast at the enormity of this, her first disobedience. I never had opportunity to know Spawn, except for the few times which I have mentioned. Perhaps he was at heart a pathetic figure. I think, looking back on it now that Spawn is dead, that there was a pathos to him. Spawn had loved his wife, Jeddah's mother. As a young man, he had brought her to the lowlands to seek his fortune, and when Jedha was an infant, his wife had left him, run away, abandoning him and their child. Perhaps Spahn was never mentally normal after that. He had reared Jetta with the belief that sin was inherent in all females. It obsessed him, warped and twisted all his outlook as he brooded on it through the years. Woman's instincts, woman's love of pleasure, pretty clothes, all could lead only to sin. And so he had kept Jetta secluded, He had fought what he seemed to see in her as she grew and flowered into girlhood, and denied her everything which he thought might make her like her mother. Spawn met his death within a few hours of this afternoon I am describing. Perhaps he was no more than a scheming scoundrel. We are instinctively lenient with our appraisal of the dead. I do not know." "'Jetta,' Perona said to her accusingly, "'this is true, then?' You did talk with that miserable Americano last night. You sinful, lying girl. The contrition within Jetta at disobeying her father faded before this attack. I am not sinful. The trembling left her, and she sat up and faced the accusing Perona. I did but talk to him. You speak lies when you say I am sinful. You here, Spawn, defiant, already changed from the little Jetta I— Yes, I am changed. I do not love you, Signor Perona. I think I hate you. Her tears were very close, but she finished. I, I won't marry you. I won't. It stung Spawn. He leaped to his feet. So, you talk like that. It has gone so far as this, has it? Get to your room. We will see what you will and what you won't. Again, the crafty Perona was calmest of them all. He thrust himself in front of Spawn. Jetta, tonight you plan to see him again. No? Tonight? Here? No, she stammered. You lie no you lie spawn look at her lying she has planned to meet him tonight that is all we want to know he broke into a cackling chuckle that fits my new plan spawn a tryst with jetta here in the garden get to your room spawn growled he dragged her back and perona followed them you lie there spawn flung her to her couch after this night's work is done we'll see whether you will or you won't she may not stay in here perona suggested she will stay you seal her in i will seal her in perona's eyes roved the little bedroom one window oval and a door both overlooking the patio but suppose she should get out there is no way to seal that window properly from outside a cord a long stout silken tassel cord had been draped by jetta at the window curtain perona snatched it down if her ankles and wrists were tied with this no burst out jetta and then a fear for me rushed over her a realization forgotten in the stress of this conflict with her father now swept over her they were planning harm to me no do not bind me a sudden caution came to her she was making it worse for me already she had done me immense harm she said suddenly do what you like with me i was wrong i have no interest in that american it is you greco i i love spawn did not heed her Corona insisted. I would tie her with care. He helped Spawn rope her ankles and then her wrists crossed behind her. A little gag, Spawn? She might cry out. We want no interference tonight. He was ready with a large silken handkerchief. They thrust it into her mouth and tied it behind her neck. There, growled Spawn. You will and you won't. We shall see about that. Lie still, Jetta, if I have need to come again to you. They left her. And this time she heard them less clearly. But there were fragments. Perona. I will meet him again. After dark. Tonight. Yes. He expects me. For his money, Spawn. His pay in advance. This Boer works not for nothing. Spawn. You will arrange about your police on the streets? He can get here to my house safely? Oh, yes. At the tri-evening hour. Certainly before midnight. Before the attack on the mine. You must stay here, Spawn. Pretend to be asleep. It will lure the fool Americano out into the moonlight. Jetta could piece it together fairly well. They would have De Boer come and abduct me. Not tell him I was a government agent, with the micro-safety alarm which they suspected I carried, but just tell De Boer that I was a rich American who could be abducted and held for a big ransom. Perona's voice rose with a fragment. If he springs his alarm here in the moonlight, you can be here, Spawn, and pretend to try and rescue him. A radio image of that flash to Hanley's office will exonerate us of suspicion. Perona would promise De Boer that the Narita government would pay the ransom quickly, collecting it later from the United States. Spawn said, You think De Boer will believe that? Why should he not? I am skilled at persuasion, no? Let him find out later that the United States government trackers are after him. Perona cackled at the thought of it. What of that? Let him kill this grant all the better.' Spawn said abruptly, "'The United States may catch the boar. Have you thought of that, Perona? The fellow would not shield us. He would tell everything.' And who will believe him, the wild tale of a trapped bandit? Against your word, Spawn. You, an honest and wealthy mine-owner? And I, I, Greco Perona, Minister of Internal Affairs of the Sovereign Power of Nerida, who will dare to give me the lie because a bandit tells a wild tale with no real facts to prop it those police guards at the mine tonight admit that they took your bribes you are witless spawn let them but admit it to me and of a surety i will fling them into imprisonment now listen with care for the afternoon is going their voices lowered then faded and Jeddah was left alone and helpless spawn went back to the mine to meet me we returned and had supper Jetta could dimly hear us. There was silence about the house during the mid-evening. I had slipped out and followed Perona to his meeting with the De DeBoer. Then Spawn had discovered my absence and had rushed to join Perona and tell him. But Jetta knew nothing of this. The hour of her tryst with me was approaching. In the darkness of her room, as she lay bound and gagged on her couch, she could see the fitful moonlight rising to illumine the window oval. She squirmed at the cords holding her, but could not loosen them. They cut into her flesh. Her limbs were numb. The evening wore on. Would I come to the garden tryst? Jetta could not break her bonds, but gradually she had mouthed the gag loose. Then she heard my hurried footsteps in the patio, then my tense voice. And at her answer I was pounding on her door, but it had been stoutly sealed by spawn. I flung my shoulder against it, raging, thumping, but the heavy metal panels would not yield, the seal held intact. Jetta! Philip, run away. They want to catch you. De Boer, the bandit, is coming. I know it. Fool that I was to pause with talk. There was no time. I must get Jeddah out of here, break down this door. But it would not yield. A gas torch would melt this outer seal. Was there a torch here at Spawn's? But I had no time to search for a torch, or a bar with which to ram this door. A panic seized me, with the fresh realization that any instant De Boer and his men would arrive. I beat with futile fists on the door, and Jetta from within, calling to me to get away before I was caught. This accursed door between us. And then, after no more than half a minute, doubtless, I thought of the window. My momentary panic left me. I dashed to the window oval, sealed, but the shutter curtain and the glassite pane behind it were fragile. Jetta, are you near the window? No, on the bed. They have tied me. Look out. I'm breaking through. There were loose rocks, as large as my head, set to mark the garden path. I seized one and hurled it. With a crash, it went through the window and fell to the floor of the room. A jagged hole showed. All right, Jetta? Yes, yes, Philip. I squirmed through the oval and dropped to the floor. My arms were cut from the jagged glassite, though I did not know it then. It was dim inside the room, but I could see the outline of the bed with her lying on it. Her ankles and wrists were tied. I cut the cords with my knife she was gasping they're planning to capture you philip you should not be here get away yes but i'm going to take you with me can you stand i set her on her feet in the center of the room a shaft of moonlight was coming through the hole in the window philip you're bleeding it is nothing cut myself on the glass light can you stand alone yes but her legs stiffened and numb from having been bound so many hours bent under her i caught her as she was falling i'll be all right in a minute but philip if you stay here you're going with me oh i could carry her if she could not run but it would be slow and it would be difficult to get her through the window and on the street we would attract too much attention jetta try to stand stamp your feet i'll hold you i steadied her then i bent down chafing her legs with my hands her arms had been limp but the blood was in them now she murmured with a tingling pain and then bent over, frantically helping me rub the circulation back into her legs. Better? Yes. She took a weak and trembling step. Wait. Let me rub them more, Jetta. Precious minutes. I'll knock out the rest of the window with that rock. We'll run. We'll be out of here in a moment. Run where? Away. Into hiding. Out of all this. The United States patrol ship is coming from Puerto Rico. It will take us from here. Where? Away. To the great new york maybe away from all this from that old fossil perona i was stooping beside her i'm all right now philip i rose up and suddenly found myself clasping her in my arms her slight body in the boy's ragged garb pressed against me Jetta, dear do you trust me will you come yes oh yes anywhere philip with you for only a breathless instant i lingered holding her then i cast her off and seized the rock from the floor the jagged glassite fell away under my blows now jetta i'll go first but it was too late i stopped stricken by the sound of a voice outside he's there in the girls room that's her window cautious voices in the garden the thud of approaching footsteps i shoved jetta back and rushed to the broken window oval the figures of de boer and his men showed in the moonlight across the patio they had heard me breaking the glassite and they saw me now there he is de boer. We were trapped. End of chapter 9 End of section 12